Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm ready. Okay. The music, the buildup, the boys are back in the hood. <laughs> Take two podcasts. I really don't, I didn't even look up what day was the last time we did it, but it was March. And I don't think either of you have been here since I have probably not. 1986. <laughs> it feels like that. It's been a long, been a long time. time. It's been a long time. You know, it's taken this long for me to actually get over how rude Jim DeBacchus was to me uh, just recently in a campaign. But we'll talk about that. I'll let you. I'll let you okay, go. I'm, so I'm just reeling over I just here. Talk, reeling. Just talk a little bit about what's happened since we've been together. Um, Jim's, murder, Jim was rude. Hornets. Jim was rude. Jim was rude. And in the time election. we've been apart, he was rude. That's that's what this you is, need to know. This this has gone from a show, a podcast with two up and comers, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to two losers. We had a juggernaut <laughs> for mayor of Salt Lake City. We had a, a, governor a Cinderella coming. story for governor, and now it's all just. Rubble. Listen, I don't know only, what only one of us has really made uh, made history over the last little while. I Greg, know there know? is one juggernaut Who? in this podcast. She it would is be anchoring and running the place. In the number one news program watched uh, along the Wasatch Front and in Utah. Uh, congratulations, Heidi! Thank what you, gentlemen. Exciting. You are the number one news anchor now uh, for KUTV, but also in. Uh, and all the land. All the world. And all the world. You, you boys should be my agents, but I'm glad to be back together again. And let's not look at uh, your elections as <laughs> losing because you tried really hard. Yeah. Lots Do of we get participation trophies? I haven't gotten mine yet. It hasn't hit the mail. I've never run a real race except for like student government races in high school and junior high. And it's I just won like and that. lost every other time. <laughs> there was a lot less money involved. But I'm telling you, it's not fun losing. But if you go on the every other thing, just the next race is yours. So yeah, yeah. we can talk about that uh, because there's rumors about Greg Hughes. I don't know what rumors there are about Jim DeBacchus, but I want to play a little catch up right now. So we've had this small pandemic going on since we've been yes. taking a break. Um, yes. Tell me, let's start with you, Greg. What have you been up to? Well, aside it, from uh, the gubernatorial election. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was I was in that race when this uh, when this virus hit uh, in Utah and in the United States. And so. I, you know, it, it's as a person, I'm not I, social distancing and being forced in my home and not interacting with human beings. It's just by personality, it's difficult to do uh, and something I did not enjoy. However, um, I think in the onset and especially in the beginning when we didn't know what we were looking at and there was a lot going on, it made all the sense in the world to kind of bake it out, see who had it, who didn't. If you had it, but you didn't know it, but you could be con spreading it all the while, it made a lot of sense. But here we are six months later. Uh, the word emergency really can't apply as it used to. Or I, I, I think you might need a new definition for emergency. I don't think we're in a state of emergency, government-wise, so or anything else. you're on the side of the legislature that oh, did absolutely. not want to renew the yeah. I, I think order. that I think what you're you, what you're doing when you declare a state of emergency for your state is you're bypassing your checks and balances between a legislative branch and an executive branch. You have procurement laws that the state has to follow strict laws on how to purchase things and how to spend taxpayer money. 
in a state of emergency, you can forget all that. You can single source and no bid contract. You can do all of that. Um, and it's usually because time is of the essence. You have a tornado, a, a earthquake, a fire, a flood, and you're just trying to get things, uh, help people as quickly as possible. Six months in, I think uh, we're going to have to abandon the emergency word and all that comes with it in terms of how you uh, you don't have those checks and balances. What and do you so, think, Debacus? Uh, do you back uh, your friend Greg Hughes on this, or are you backing the governor? I think they're both wrong. Um, <laughs> Okay. Okay, I just looked this up. Okay, good. He's Googling. The good news is at the podcast room, you can look stuff up while you're I know. This I know. Is, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All and on. these boys look like they're in the podcast room. Polos, they stink. They haven't yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was <laughs> at a charity. We're playing basketball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all what right. So these are the latest numbers on from yesterday the on new cases. Okay. All right. The place where it all started, Beijing, Yesterday had their first day with zero new cases. Italy, which was tearing us yep. apart through horror, the entire country with 50 million people, 60 million, I don't know how many Italians there are, 320 cases. New York State that went through the horrors that it went through yes, with, I don't know how many, 15, 20 million people in New York, they had 408 cases. Utah which now is doing great, right? 461 cases. I am saying the governor, the legislature, our Chamber of Commerce in particular, have been horrendous. We had a real opportunity. It isn't as though we don't know where this virus came from or how to get rid of it. We know because we just need to look at Wuhan and in Beijing and the other places. But you know what? We're fighting these inane battles. Should we open schools? Should we play basketball? Should we be having a football program? You know what? Governor Herbert, the virus is in charge, and you have led the state off a cliff. Okay, but let's stop here for a second. We do have new jobless numbers out today. 4.5%. I believe that's the lowest in the country right now. Is that really a cliff? Our death rate is at 0.8%. One death is always too many. It's someone's mom. It's someone's father. But our death rate is 0.8. It's in a very older population. And 4.5% is not awesome, but it's certainly better than 10, 11, or 12%. Watch what happens. Watch yep. what happens. We went before. You, they told me, uh, and as I was saying these same things, Governor, wake up. Stop listening to the Chamber of Commerce. And that's what they did. When, the, when we were at red and looking to go to green, uh, the legislature and the governor put together a panel with no doctors that know anything about infectious disease. The state epidemiologist was not included. It was that crowd from the Chamber of Commerce, and they said, green, 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 green. And look what happened. We went through this terrible spate. As far as being the first in deaths, we have the youngest population in the state, and it affects old people. Anybody who is governor of Utah would have that. But when you want to look at, at the terrifying number, it is the percentage of people that are tested uh, that are positive. That's, that's how <laughs> no, you... Actually, that's how, so, let me just finish, Greg. Uh, yes. Uh, I've been patient. How, I've been patient. So about that, I've been a church mouse. That's how, that's how you tell where all of these hidden um, epidemics are around the state. 
We should be having 7,000 tests a day, according to the CDC, according to Governor Herbert. But if people aren't sick, that, see, I've, I've been seeing you on social yeah, media waiting. talk about um, how maybe it's the, our, te- our numbers are lower because we're testing fewer people, but we can't send people in who aren't sick. Our sick Rubber, people just hits the road. Here, let me tell you. Here, no, no, there's moderating of the population. That's how they're doing it in New York. You want to do 7,000 tests a day in Utah all across the state if you, if, so you can pick up where so the you next... you just want healthy people to go get tested just well, Exactly. In case. No, well, that's the not me. That's what the CDC uh, that, look, and everybody's right. calling for. You, we would have caught that thing in Hiram... I need a uh, flare gun at earlier. this podcast because I've been waiting to talk. When do I get right, to talk? Greg, it's, your I, turn. it's my turn. No, Look, I'm not finished. Yeah, I know Whoa. you're not. Listen, we've changed the rules in this whole uh, virus. It was never that we were going to get it. That that number, it in fact, it was assumed that without a vaccine or a, a cure and with no immunity, we would get it. What we were told is this state of Utah cannot all the population cannot all get this virus in this inside the same two weeks or month. You had to flatten the curve. I'm going to tell you, have everybody hide for six months on month seven. If everybody comes out absent a cure or a vaccine or a, or a immunity, you're going to get it. What you have to stare at is how many ICU beds the state of Utah has. How many does it have between 170 to 200? That is the number you have to make sure it does not get overwhelmed. If you have a zillion people that have it, but you're not overwhelming your healthcare delivery or your or your ICU beds, that is the variable you're looking at. Now, this is the problem. You cannot destroy this economy trying to run away from a virus you don't have any immunity to. You cannot be it's math. You have to keep the schools have to open. You have to have kids educated. We had all day kindergarten. When I was in the legislature, they said you got to have all day kindergarten because you have single parents that work, two parents that work. You know, they, they are, there are kids that the half day doesn't work. It is still the case. You still have households to say every kid, hey, we can't have school. What that does to working families in the state of Utah is is it's like let them eat cake. What? They don't have bread? Let them eat cake. Let everybody just stay home if they can't, if they don't want to go to school. Sadly, that is not the scenario for so many families in the state of Utah. And if you have to go to work and you can't go to the school, are you sending that child to go to the grandparents' home? Because that won't be safe. They're older, and it's a virus that will attack people that are older. Do you put them in a daycare in front of adults where they're in front of adults now, but they're just not learning? The, particularly the younger ages in the elementary schools, you cannot destroy our public education system afraid of this virus. You cannot destroy the economy because of it. And if you look at these hospitals, they're underwhelmed. IHC reported back in June, four hundred million dollars that would have been received for healthcare delivery that didn't happen. That is not a healthy scenario for the state. People so are I'm telling home. you, these what we are doing and and recoiling from this virus. And as you pointed out, Jim, in a young state where we are best positioned by our being a young state, as well as we don't have as many smokers, our respiratory uh, illnesses are not as 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 you know, as many as you find other states, you will find today we have, we have some of the greatest advantages. And at the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. Utah's bills come due every 30 days. And the federal government is not, if, if they said they were going to print all the money so that everyone's bills could be paid every 30 days, it's not happening. Greg, you're, you're acting. It's a very smug approach that the state has taken. Not you. That is, you're not in charge. Oh, I know. You are not in charge of the economy, oh, he's and you're not in charge of anything. Believe no, no, me, I, I wish I was. I'm not saying that personally. I'm saying the virus is in charge. 
And you, we have got to deal with a virus. You want to destroy the economy? Just do what you're doing. Jim, 92% of the people that are dying in this country are over the age of 55. It's 2.7% when you get under the age of 24. Uh, the age of 24. I think we are. I think there's more hysteria. People a day it's not that we, we have this virus in our community. We have to take precautions, but you cannot kill your economy, you can do, your education system, or your you health care delivery ki- over it. You are killing the economy. This is or a not. guarantee to kill the economy. You've got to get those numbers down. Ask the state epidemiologist to 3% or less. Then how do you pay the bills? You, well, let's how talk are, about, how okay, are we paying? Wait a minute. Second, uh, wait, wait, well, let me just okay. finish. How are we paying the bills now? A trillion dollars a month Not in government. stimulus. Forget yes. government. I'm talking about uh, the working people of the state. That, how do they pay but, their bills? But you're okay, talking about how pause. good the economy okay, is let's doing. Let's push pause. Okay, yeah. so if we don't have people going back to work, we're going to need more PPP loans. We're going to need more $1,200 checks to people. So the question is, you know, when does that stop? And uh, one thing I think is interesting is to look at the American Academy of Pediatrics who said we do need kids going back to school because as much as you don't like to, I guess – no one wants to admit it, but your ability to earn an income for your family or to get out of the house and go to school is tied to your health because if you're stressed because you can't pay the bills, does suicide, heart attack become an issue? What about kids who they say are getting abused at home and they don't have teachers checking on them saying, Johnny, what about these bruises? Or kids who are not getting the help they need because you know there's not a counselor around. So I think there's definitely reasons to try to go to work if we can right but go we can't school. okay so if you had kids right now jim we, Dabakis, we let's can't. say you have johnny and jenny eight and 12 years old would you send them to school right now here's the issue here's the problem that you're falling into and the entire state is falling into these are just questions we are we are we ought to be talking about how do we get like china and italy where there aren't cases. Do we and believe we, China's numbers? We, because yeah, I don't, I don't, I I don't believe China. I hope they have it under control. Look, look I saw Italy's some, picture, I'll, I'll I saw some pictures from China. Wuhan with thousands and thousands of people. They're, they've opened up again. And I'm saying the state didn't have the guts in the first place. We should have locked down for 30 days, been serious, done it the way that the countries that have passed. Then we wouldn't be talking about should we be opening schools and should we be doing football. It would be happening. Can we you have a full lockdown? lockdown. Wait, what, how can they do it in Italy but not in Utah? No. How can they do it in so in Europe and not in Utah and in America? What is so uh, peculiar UK, about I know. us? It is true, but the UK's GDP, I think, is the worst in the world. So I don't know that they come out of this. I asked, them, coming awesome. back. I asked someone from uh, one of the uh, one of the ministers from China from their embassy. I asked her uh, why that was the case and how they were able to uh, make sure that it didn't spread. And she said, "Well, in a communist country, we can arrest you if you walk outside your door, and like we Italy? can we can hold you inside, and we can mandate every single person wear a mask, or we will arrest you and send you to jail." Mm-hmm. If you have a government like that, Jim. I think, you know, compelling populations and mass is very easy to do, more so than okay, in then, the land of the so, free so home of the brave. we're getting to the nub of the question. Yeah. yeah. Are we prepared for three weeks to shut down and to get rid of this virus so that we're like China? I think it's naive to think you'll never end, get rid of it. You'll the, never get rid of it like until New you York have City? a vaccine. You need a, herd, you need a herd You need herd immunity. You're not going to get it until more people get it, until it becomes City more prevalent. New York City is less than 1%. Have you seen New York City? Positives. It's gone. The city is gone. There's no one coming back to it. It is 
They, they, you've got Cuomo Look, begging for so much bailout money because their, their state has crumbled apart. Okay, but let's listen he, for a second. Your three-week your three week lockdown, I think if the entire world could lock down for three weeks, and you literally could, and you could keep everyone inside, you probably could have killed this virus. But the problem is we still need police officers because someone's going to stab their wife or their husband because they're pissed that they're they locked up. They don't have up. that in Italy. Or you need news. Look, well, I, I'm saying but we live in America, an, uh, and apparently right. we so, kill each and, other. And, and we're, in, we're <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, this I, I'm just saying is like you. Even if we had a three week lockdown, there are still people who have to run the energy in your home or have to run the news station. Yeah, there's, there's, so there's grocery stores, there's, there's and hospitals, you, there's, you know what? In, in, in public a year, transportation, and in six. Our economy sucks. It's terrible in the United States and in Utah. It is. You great. take out that six hundred dollars a week that thousands and thousands of Utahns are doing. The effect of that hasn't hit yet. You watch what's going to happen. We're playing with craziness. It's the virus. You know, I have above my bed something that says, socks first, then shoes. Don't tell me about the University of Utah football in Utah you State. You really have that That's above your bed? That's not what the issue is. <laughs> yeah, I have that there. It's the virus, stupid. Get some guts. I, We've had the, li- the biggest lack of political will where, where nobody will face up. We have a month of pain, real so pain, horrible pain. Let me, let me land this plane. I can land, right, Jim, I can land on it. common ground. I can land on common ground. Ready? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. You know, it's not going to be ideal for anyone, but I'm going to say this is, this is where I find the common ground of what I'm listening to from Jim. I think if you have precautions that aren't practical, if you, if you have parents who have to work and are, do not have the ability to, to have their children not go to school for a reason. This is why we have all day K in the state of Utah. I would, I would argue that that applies for K through at least till you get to middle school I and mean, middle school and high school. Maybe the kids don't have to go every day, but I'll just say this. If you have precautions that are not practical and people can't follow them, then you don't have any precautions and that is not going to be safe. You have to, and we have to, as a state, Find those things that are going to keep us from spreading a virus that is absolutely in our community. You have two things going for you. You have your precautions and you have luck. And when luck runs out, you're going to get it. So I believe. So what you have to do is you have to lay forward for people to practice and have precautions that are realistic, that they can apply in their lives. And I'm telling you, folks, look, I got the Purell in my pocket. I'm trying not to touch things that every single stranger touches because I'm afraid I'll touch my eyes or my nose or my mouth in response we have to have these precautions and keep it in the forefront of our mind that there is a virus amongst us. But if the precautions we're asked to take are ones we cannot take, then we have no precautions. And that is where things are going to get really dangerous. It's like Florida. I kept saying, you know, you got to have precautions. You can't have like an MTV beach party or, you know, spring break party. parties. At and then House. I look at Florida <laughs> and they had a, a beach where you couldn't even see the sand or the water. There were so many people there which was insane so jim i'm not saying you know be cavalier don't take precautions i'm saying that the precautions that we're, we need to take are ones where when the bills come due every 30 days there's a way to pay them when there's when there's uh, you, you can't lose the education educational progress of your kids we got to make sure that we're doing that and not losing a generation you're acting like the virus cares i'm not talking about the virus i'm talking about how we handle it look we need a month, and we need a month that looks a lot more like Italy and China than <laughs> like China. The, in the in moral wars of Jim, because we need America to look we, more like China. You know what? Okay. We uh, might get that in December uh, if schools uh, uh, close down. A lot of the universities after Thanksgiving are letting telling the kids to stay home. So maybe let me ask December you, will be both the of you. 
If I could guarantee... Who said I disagree with you? I no, 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 no. Let me ask mouth. both of you. I, I'm passionate about I that. totally I disagree with you. You're passionate. I'm shocked. But I thought I found some common ground if you there. Take, if you take three-week period, and okay. at the end of... Using draconian measures, things that make all of us uncomfortable... But at the end of that three weeks, our kids are going back to school. We're back at the university. We're playing football. Our kids are going back the, to school. And no, 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 no. Uh, but safely. I'm saying safely. See, I, 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 just, I, I mean, it's worth three weeks of, a, of what's worked other places. And our political leaders have been una- unwilling to say that. They're worried about rural Joes and uh, Molly Orham, I, and they won't do what needs to be done because it's out there and we don't have the political Jim, will. The, the virus, don't tell me. Kids have got to go to school and it's all this and we got to have an economy. We have no economy. We're going to keep borrowing a trillion dollars a month to prop up this halfway? Uh-uh. So, look, I, I just don't think what you're suggesting is practical. This is where you get into the game of essential and not essential because there's just some – you have to be able to buy food. You have to be able to have – there's certain things that are going to be essential. You're going to need people working at hospitals, supermarkets. Uh, you know, there's going to be people that have to go to those places that use mass transit. You're going to find, you're going to start getting into that game again where there are businesses that are essential versus non. And I just don't think it's to say that everyone's going to go inside the entire population for three weeks. I, I just don't, I don't think it's a, it's practical. Fine. In a year, do. in a year, we're still going to be taking a trillion dollars a year and bankrupting the country. You talk about ruining it's, the it's economy. It's a good point you bring up. This is not a solution. No, it's a good point what you bring saying, up. You oh, cannot. Well, everybody try and it'll be good and we'll send the kids to school and we'll throw on a mask. This is bullshit. <laughs> oh my well, gosh. Hey, this Nobody's is, I guess this is no longer anymore. a family program. Yeah, I guess I, we just abandoned the whole family not. side okay, of this gonna show. Okay, we're going to move on from this because I feel like we could fight pandemic for the next right, Well, look, we had a lot of pent-up issues on that. that your, we could have right, we could have debated that for eight, are, 12 weeks are straight. Are your kids going back to school or are they already back in school? Yes, well, I have uh, I have one kid child left that's going to school in high school and he'll be attending high school, yes. Gotcha. And I do have a son who's starting next week in ninth grade. Um, he's actually excited because he's um, gone through some of the roughest part of puberty for the last five or six months at home with the voice change and That's grown like half a foot. Well, so. You shouldn't be saying that. I know this he kid is like, the thanks, podcast. mom. Thanks. Okay. All right, all right, good. He knows well. I say this. So anyhow, he's headed back to school. He's excited. He's adorable. And my daughter is headed to Utah State. Fingers crossed that will last. Uh, my next week I'm moving UVU, around. but it's all online. It's all yeah. online. All yeah. right. Well, so. my daughter doesn't know yet. It's is everything at the U online? Hybrid. U- or, or, UVU is online. Oh, UVU. I, I don't know about right, gotcha. And Utah State is a hybrid of some sort, but she takes mostly science classes and labs. We'll see oh. how that works okay, out. Okay, without, without throwing stones, okay. I mean, really what I worry about is we wake up in six months and we're in the same position. And Because you can't convince people to go to a restaurant. You can't convince people to have a good economy. It has to kind of be there. Yeah. And playing these halfway games... I could go on on how the state has completely screwed up this pandemic. We'll save it for another week. I think you did a I thorough job. Like I don't know what I stone you've left unturned, the, 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 sir. The $100 million <laughs> of unaccounted wild spree party that <laughs> Herbert and Cox have have done. But Okay, well, we have a lightning round that's coming okay, up okay, where you sorry. can't share all your feelings, only some all of your right, feelings. All right, all uh, right. The GOP primary is over. We discussed that Greg did not end up Yeah, it's a big shock. I'm still, I'm still one shocked. one of many winners because I think anyone who <laughs> runs um, deserves credit for taking part. It was a deep pull, admittedly. 
There was, and that's an interesting question because we don't usually have races in Utah that have deep pools. We can look to Jim DeBacchus' race in the Salt Lake City mayoral election. We're looking to gubernatorial election. It's the first time our state's actually had options where people could get on the ballot that weren't chosen by their parties. And we have all of these candidates that really are qualified good candidates. It's exciting to see it happen. People have been talking about, you know, maybe this is why they said ranked choice voting is a good idea, which leads me to the point that there are people who are still talking. I think, are we 10 days out from the deadline for a write-in candidate run for Huntsman? There's a lot of reasons why this would be hard, that it would be a bad idea, that people won't like it. Greg Hughes, is it going to happen? You know, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I honestly don't know whether it's going to happen or not. There's been a lot of uh, discussion with uh, people that have supported John Huntsman in his race. He lost a very, very narrow uh, election uh, in the primary, uh, less than a percentage point, I think, 6,500 votes or something like that out you're, of you're over really, half a million cast. You're really close to Hughes. Did you ever think about Huntsman? dropping it? Huntsman? Huntsman, I mean, you're close they to both Hughes. I'm very close to Hughes. I like, I know myself very well. I mean, did, was there a moment... Like Herbert got somebody in the office, Thomas Wright in his governor's office, and said, "Don't run. Give your votes to Cox." Did yeah. you? I'm sure Huntsman didn't ask you, but did no. you ever think, you know what? I I could. No, I I was going to win it. I really thought I was. I thought it was a, a tight race. I thought we were pretty competitive. I I didn't think that way. I I will tell you this, and this is where we're going to get real, and it's easier when we're out of the game. Um, I. I you have seen in very difficult elections before, uh, whether, you know, especially in primaries where you have a nominee and you have yeah. others that have run. Uh, if you look back, th- you'll have the one that wins that brings the other candidates together and they have a, a moment. I've, I saw it when Nolan Karras endorsed John Huntsman right after John Huntsman won in uh, 2004. Uh, you had Tim Bridgewater that endorsed uh, John Swallow. And, and those two, that was a bitter race. Those, there was not a lot of love loss between those two, but you saw that coming together. When you have a race for governor as deep as this pool, this, can, this field of Republicans were, and you go back to the convention cycle and then the, the general or the primary, you got nine, ten candidates that, that bring everyone on the stage and having a unified voice. Uh, with enough issues that had been brought up in the election cycle where everyone brought something, I think, unique to the table. Uh, That was an opportunity where I think uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox could have brought a lot of people together early on where there would not have been an environment where a writing campaign could germinate. I mean, right after he won. Right, right. You bring it together very, very early. Like a house party, but not a house party, like a Zoom party. I just think think bringing people together very quickly, I think because some of the initial reactions from the Huntsman campaign, I think Abby Huntsman said, we're not doing any writing. But in the absence of that moment where people are coming together, uh, then you you do let uh, an environment where a writing can be contemplated, people that are trying to, that would like to see Governor, former Governor Huntsman run are, are out there, making the case that they're making. Uh, there's an environment that's allowing that to happen, and I think that could have been avoided by really uh, looking to bring, reaching out and bringing the candidates together very early on after that election was decided. Have and these so, writing campaigns called you and said, hey, would you be Huntsman's running mate? Because I've heard them throw that around. Like, yeah, so what I, if we could I'll, have I'll a keep it real. I'm yeah, like a truth or dare game without the dare. I, the, the Huntsman supporters have uh, reached out or, or spoken to me, but uh, Governor Huntsman, I have never had, he has never brought that issue up with me directly. Nobody asked me it. to be lieutenant governor from the Huntsman. They haven't. Yeah. Have so you? We so want to talk about Jim? this because okay. you actually um, worked really hard to get Huntsman elected. 
Uh, where do you stand on all this? <laughs> Did you? You I were mean, asking I know you worked Democrats very hard. to cross. I don't know if you know, Jim, but when you were telling everyone to, hey, register as a Republican because we'll wake up to a Governor Hughes like we woke up to a, a President Trump. You know I could hear you, right? <laughs> you know, I could, I could hear you. That was like rude, okay? That's like, we're a polite company here. It was I the, could hear you Greg, say it was, that. It was the virus talking. Okay. <laughs> So you've Actually, been there, done I, that. you know, so, I'll, I'll say I told you. Go ahead and say it. Republicans are gonna get mad when you say that. So I thought it was a great get out the vote call for so, me. But. So look, look at look at the numbers. I mean, there is a compelling case for Huntsman if he were to actually get in and get serious about it. You yeah. know, I mean, he waited too long. I think he kind of expected that he would be handed the governorship. And he really, he really wasn't all in all the time. And I realize he had other responsibilities and all the rest. But during you know, the primary, you're talking about, yeah, you know, he should have gotten in earlier. He should. I, I, I'm, I'm saying he did pretty well for a guy who maybe wasn't fully committed. So if you take, what did he get? Thirty four percent. About that, yeah. Yeah, thirty five point. I don't know. I have the numbers around here somewhere. But that means that means lots of other people, lots of other Republicans voted for somebody else. So if you take Huntsman thirty four point nine, Cox thirty six point two, a spread of about sixty three hundred votes if you keep track. So you take the hardcore thirty percent of Democrats, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure in a final they would follow a Huntsman. They'll vote for Chris Peterson because they're Democrats. They might. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, tell me this. I'm actually interested in the psychology of the Rep Democrats in, in Utah. Where do they go? I mean, you because I don't think they all broke strictly for Huntsman, even those that switched over to become No, Republicans. those polls showed that some of them broke for Cox. Yeah. I don't know that any of the Democrats broke for Hughes. Well, no. I <laughs> Yeah, I was not getting any of those. I can, I, I'll just come clean. I'm, did. I'm, I did not get. I know somebody that did, a Democrat who voted for Grant. Oh, so I hope, I you know what? I, 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 I had a few friends. I have a few friends that are. That I, you know, I hope to earn their vote. So, so you do the math, and you, it, it, it depends. A lot of Democrats are saying, "I'm going to vote. I'll vote for the Democrat no matter what." A lot of Democrats are saying, "Look, if we had a real chance to get a much better governor, that's who we ought to vote for." You know, what what good is a what good is a vote for somebody that's going to lose anyway? Um, so, but he'd have to work for him. He would have to work for him. Yeah, I you know, and then he might lose the Republicans on the and other side. And we only have so. seventy four days until the election, and then you have to get if you were to win, let's say, and remember, early ballots, get sent, behind ballots you. get sent out earlier than that. So, and you, you have, have to make sure they spell your name right. Not if the president has earlier. anything to say about it. Okay, <laughs> I do want to talk about someone who wants. I got to be my president. issues with vote by mail too, Jim. <laughs> Nationally, I next do. week is the RNC. This week is the DNC, though. Uh, any highlights for you, Jim? Did you feel like it was a good coalescing kumbaya <laughs> you, moment? You tell I'm the being truth. Serious. You could tell me honestly. I am so interested to hear I your appraisal. I thought appraisal. it was one of the most uh, inspiring, amazing. Oh I love the roll Here, call. Can I, I smell your nice. drink? Is there the something? Roll call. I'm to trying to smell if you got that thing loaded with some. To hear that. Stuttering alcohol or kid something. last night, and then here Joe. But Joe, but here's the problem that the Republicans made. They call him inept. Uh, they said he's got dementia. They say he's in a cave. He can't put two words together. Joe Biden was inspiring, not to Republicans, but to a lot of America. And he was a man in charge. <laughs> and I hope they keep painting. I think it was a presidential type address last night. I do think it helped him not being live, though. I think that having uh, a pre-recorded and editable 
edible. That's not even a word. That's those are like those drugs <laughs> that you used to eat. Edible. Have you been to? Have you been <laughs> to Nevada? He was taking edibles. That's You've been why to Nevada. Was, we know I that. Think, I think that was good for him having like a controlled situation. But I, don't, I think yeah. that was live last night. His was speech. It? Yeah. So here's the thing. I uh, look. I you had Bill Clinton. President, former President Bill Clinton, talk about uh, the inappropriate conduct inside the Oval Office by President Trump. At that point, I was looking for the unicorn to walk past uh, because I'm going, in the is this real? Am I in a dream here? Did, did President Clinton just wag his finger about conduct in the Oval Office? I found, you know, when, I, when we had the inaugural address from uh, the inauguration, in the inauguration of President Trump, there were a lot of Democrats that said a very dark speech. He talked about hard times and difficult things. Very, very dark, 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 dark. Well, it, the thing that's, that's been tough over the last, you know, three and a half years, four years with, with where we've had our president with president Trump and the criticism he gets on a second by second basis is that there's never consistency of thought with the liberals or the Democrats. You know, if, if, if Trump talks about challenges, he's just very dark and very draconian and a very, you know, just a, just a, just terrible way to to not nothing inspiring and then you get to the democrat convention and it's just you know just mean-spirited and just attacking and everything is just ter i mean just everything about it can be easily qualified as dark and yet the same people that just had such a you know disdain for president trump's inaugural address and th some of the challenges he's laid out for this country uh you know they just embrace it with such enthusiasm and so i i just think look you got to say what you're going to say. It, Trump's been a pinata from the second he was a candidate. Why would you stop that exercise now? I get it. But but inspiring is the last uh, word that would come to mind. If you want to scare everyone to death and say that, you know, the, the sky will literally fall if this man's reelected, I think that's the message you successfully Here's what I think pushed. is interesting, because President Obama, we haven't really heard a lot from him, and so this is the first time he's kind of spoken. And I think when you're looking at the Democratic Convention to win, they need some of the Republicans who are not really a big fan of how President Trump speaks on Twitter and maybe the little bit crazy side of him. They need those people to come join and vote for Biden. And I don't know if President Obama was the great convincer on that because when he gets, I wouldn't say stoops to the level, but goes on the attack instead of keeping that line that former presidents usually do. Yeah. I don't know if that wins over those those crossover voters that might be willing to come join it, hands it, it, and sing my, with you. It's, I don't it's know. that there's, you don't have to have a consistency of thought. You can, you know, you didn't, it, it used to be and was up until maybe last night or when President Obama spoke that the, the, the president of the past, they don't, they don't take those shots. They don't go after them. But uh, now I guess you can. I'm, I've, I, I've even heard President Obama talk on the campaign trail that we got to get rid of this whole filibuster. I mean, are you kidding? The, that was like a institutional, you know, requirement of the Senate. Now they're talking they want to get rid of it. None of these, n there is no two-way street when it comes to politics nowadays, which is sad. I think that you ought to have a consistency of thought. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You're not getting that. you got a president here that, that helped forge a peace deal with Israel and, the, you know, the United uh, Arab, Arab Emirates. Emirates, UAE, yeah. Emirates. Yeah, United Emir Arab Emirates. Emirates, right. Yeah. Dubai, the the first one in thirty years. You've got a. This is the first president that didn't send troops to war. We've had we've had our presidents of either party sending our troops to war now for some time. You have some, you have some great accomplishments. This president has accomplished good things he's done that gets glazed gla glazed over. It's a convention. I get it, but I just think that how uh, dark 
that convention was in terms of how dire they wanted Americans to feel about this country. I just think it's, I think it's a bit overplayed, but it always has been. So it's kind of the divided world. It's kind of the playbook from day one. They felt very hopeful after uh, the Democratic convention. So we'll see next week. I think there's going to be more live, and you never know what's going to happen. Now that's going to be a party, Jim. That's going to be a party. The Republican National Committee. Hang on to your hat. Next week we can compare which was darker. Compare and contrast. Okay, this Biden speech or Trump giving one of his Nuremberg uh, wacko. Conscious raising. We haven't even got into all the about who uh, about uh, all the pedophile pizza places and all the conspiracies. I mean, you guys, your 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 Democrat press corps asks him questions. He tries to answer them the best he can, and they and they run headlines like he came up with these, you know, these comments of which they splice and dice all the time. We haven't even talked about all the riots and all the destruction happening in I know, every major metropolitan uh, How long do you guys think we've been talking for right now? Uh, are we, Ten are minutes. Are we out? I know, we're at 36 minutes, oh, and okay. I feel like maybe our inaugural podcast, I should have planned more time so we could talk for two hours and really catch people up on our lives. They're going to they're gonna hit. They're I gonna know, but I have to do newscasts. But I know, we've got protests I want to talk about. I want to talk about charges that Sim Gill's been filing. I feel like we somehow have an entire lifetime that's happened since there was a lot pent together. up you could tell in this this podcast yeah, we had right. a lot we I wanted know. to get off our chest do you guys feel like a little relieved after getting this uh, off your chest a little bit i feel terrific <laughs> Jim has well you look terrific jim you look great <laughs> i hate greg yeah yeah you guys I see all like the things Trump he's writing things. there he's just uh, making saying terrible things on that so where are we going to go on this podcast what do we want to do every week what, what are we what, i still think we want to come back to I, we want to talk issues but i think that as much as greg hughes and jim Debacus have very differing viewpoints i think that as we get beyond the craziness of all this there have got to be things we agree on and i think that's the big problem with the country right now is that you're a democrat or you're republican you're red or you're blue and there's no in between and there's got to be in between if we want to figure things out again right does it count uh, neither of us want cox to be governor is that, <laughs> <laughs> that you're not flying on something like so I, you guys are going to run a writing here's campaign here's the grand here's the grand, grand, here's the grand experiment sure that's where you are i think there's an experiment to be had on this podcast and i'd like to see i think that i can maintain uh, my conservative right of center perspective uh, and look at public policy and look at approach approaches that we can take, you know, as a society, but as our government uh, would look to, to solve issues or to, and Jim can stay on that left of center side. And I am willing to bet that there is common ground without losing what makes us who we are. I think that can be found. I think I'd love to explore that. In With the an podcast. example of that, Greg and Heidi. Okay. One of the things I think where we really could come together, particularly if Joe Biden gets elected president, and that is, how to deal with public lands in Utah, how to take this patchwork of checks system that so we you're inherited. It's good to hear it's on your nice. mind. Good and, for you. And, and, I agree. And, and consolidate these and protect more and have energy areas. That could really happen. But Rob Bishop had to go first. He, was, he, he just didn't want any kind of a deal with the Democrats. And that's what it's going to take. And, you know, we can do that under the hypothetical or the the – that Trump wins as well. Not just, we don't have to just see if what we can do if uh, Biden wins. We can do uh, it with Trump right, also. That would be nice. But I know we can do the deal. I, I don't know, but I, I think I we believe. can really do a deal with Biden. Okay. And All Trump. Right. I believe in it. So we're going to meet again <laughs> next Friday. And okay. it'll be after the RNC. After the races. We can see if it's as dark as... Um, the prediction no, that are. will be a that'll be a ray of sunshine. That's what that will be. That Republican <laughs> convention, a ray of sunshine. It is going to be beautiful. You're going to be proud to be American. Promise you. Oh, wow. 
well, land of the free, home of the brave. I'm excited. There's a reason, everybody, to watch the convention. I just play them out like the Emmys. When you hear the music, yes. you got to wow. be done. Thanks okay. for listening. Tell your friends we're back. Bye-bye, guys.